Abbott, I am very happy to have you here today with me. And I'm so glad that you've agreed to come and have a chat with me. Uh, we met how many years ago now? It was a few Oh, maybe 10 years ago. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting. It's just like, yeah, I woke up this morning pumped to connect with you. It's been a while since we've had a chance to even have a chat, but we've done a few workshops together. We've um, hang out on retreats. Um, yeah, yeah, we've, we've had some fun. With this podcast, I've been really having the intention of sitting down and talking with people who are working in the holistic healing health space because I think what we're really lacking now in this sort of post-pandemic world is practitioners that are sitting in a different space to the mainstream Western model and they're needed more than ever. Like we said, we met years ago and some of the things that you've taught me still stand in my mind. Like I still think, oh, I remember when Nanette taught me about that. And now you've even got a book, which is bloody awesome. How Thanks. clever are you? <laughs> Writing a book. <laughs> the making. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So maybe give everyone a little bit of background. What's your book about? It's called The Infinite Potential of You. And it really was something that I was lucky enough to download. Like I said, over, over a period of time of 10 to 20 years. Yes, writing a book can be more painful than childbirth. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, in terms of the creative side of things and, and being patient and the organic nature of, of, of that constantly evolving and changing but I was really lucky to have launched that I think last May actually mm. and it really is a book for people who are I guess leading towards that entrepreneurial mind who have that huge amount of passion in them and often they find it really hard to to know how to ground all those ideas or even believe in themselves because it's not that kind of career path or, or life trajectory where it's all laid out for you. you no, know, it is something that is, again, this is similar to the book. It's really organic and you have to stay true to yourself. And, you know, it's hard work. The book kind of is designed to create, not only is it vibrational and all about your spiritual journey, but it's, it's also giving you structure. So the infinite potential of you is all about a figure eight. And it's about the fact that we kind of get these ideas that if, if you can see energy, which I'm lucky enough that I've worked really hard at, at perfecting that kind of, I guess, you know, skill to be, because I've sat there in front of so many beautiful clients, but also had a passion inside me. I think ever since a kid, I was really passionate about people's energy and how they feel and they're quite sensitive. That I could see that people who were flowing, you know, through their right brain were were more on path, if you like, to what they really wanted. It kind of le leans into their heart space. So that's that, you know, I just had an idea or I just know or I just feel I need to. And it's it's often not what has already been created. So it's kind of like that path in yourself where you just feel like you, you want to do something or be something or become something, but you've got no idea how you're going to get there. So the figure eight is about that kind of channeling like a satellite dish through your right brain and it's coming into your heart space where you get that feeling of a knowing. Sometimes we can get a little bit stuck there. So then it's about pulling it down um, and grounding it into sort of the planning phase and it, it helps you plan. Um, and once it hits down, you know, um, ground zero, where you actually then have to actualize yourself down here on, <laughs> on planet Earth, um, it can get a bit messy where we all just go, oh, God, oh, God, I can't be that person, you know, and we kind of stop ourselves at that point and then we go back into what we kind of know or what's normal. So it helps you push through that phase into the actioning 
and really getting true to yourself about actioning in a safe way, not in a sort of like a dramatic way where you stress yourself out and you leave everything that you know behind. It's kind of this gentle nurturing kind of um, model where you pull up, where you keep things steady, which is your rudder, which is what you already know. And then you kind of move into your medium, which is where you're nurturing yourself and, and gaining knowledge and activating the new you a little bit, 30% every day, so that then you can dream about your long term in that day as well. So you've got your kind of rudder, which is what you have to do just to keep the bills being paid and do things that you already know and keep everything nice and settled. But then you need to tweak your sales into learning from what you said you really wanted to do. So it might be like going and doing an um, additional course or hanging out with the right people that can teach you or whatever it is that gets you to where you want to go and then spend 10% of the day just, you know, dreaming about it. So if you do that every day, the reality is you have to get there. And it's a gentle approach rather than a leap of, I can't do this anymore, I've got to be my true self. And then suddenly you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, you don't know you know, how you're going to make it happen and you freak yourself out and then you go back to what you, know, you already know. Yeah. Um, sending a message that it's not possible doesn't make sense yeah yeah no I so like I kind of hear like what you're saying is like you've got to almost start with an intention but you can't just be like for me I you know I'd, I'd just be off in some petting zoo all day playing with animals because I love animals but where's that really going to get me I need to have some sort of clarity to start and build on but also be realistic and kind of have those baseline needs met at the same time, which is where I think a lot of people are finding it hard at the moment. Would you agree? Because economically everyone's so unstable and they're worried about the world and finances. And so how, how, did, how does this book kind of yeah, apply to that? That's right. So it is both an energetic book, but a practical book. So the idea is that you spend time in your planning, which is where I was saying where you do it your way. Don't do it how someone else tells you. Mm -hmm. mind mapping that you need to do mind map the most important thing is that you start kind of um etching out what tools do you need and when are you going to do it what time are you going to do that commit to it basically so it's pulling down that planning into a space where you can commit and then you action the right brain energy or the yin energy is coming down through through your right brain into your heart and then into your planning you haven't done anything yet so that's the yin energy that's the feminine energy yeah that's getting yourself nice and organized and then you flip over where you're actually moving into the yang energy which is the male energy where you, the masculine energy where you need to get on with it the yin is actually really cooling energy but when it's rising then it's heat um, it's the hot energy of the yang so you pull up and that, that's when you do your short which is your 60 percent of your day your medium, which is your 30, and then your long, which is your 10%. So if you do that every day, the reality is that things are going to move. They have to. So as you find yourself more passionate about your medium and, and your long, you'll see that slowly that medium will get bigger and bigger to the point where that will then become your short. Mm, because you're so good at it because you've been studying it and you've been activating it and, and massaging yourself into that space, that you get your confidence up to the point where you can leap into your own business. And do you think that there's, I mean, a lot of that sounds like there's got to be a mindset shift most definitely because what I find even myself having worked with clients for years is people can change their behavior for a short amount of time, but it's actually the mindset that has to change, not the just the behavior because is that, is that yeah, you sort of, is that where you're kind of going with that as well? Then the final step of it actually is the left brain. So the left brain is where the figure eight then goes back right up up to itself and meets at the top. Um, and the left brain actually is the learning. 
what you're talking about there is changing that left brain into there's no failure it's actually just about learning let's just say if you had a day where you said well geez i did pretty good at my actioning however i could have done better i would have liked to have done better that day well if you've got a left brain that's programmed into okay so why didn't it work yeah and then you can tweak it with the idea that the next day you start again you wake up the next day with a new bubble of wisdom so instead of sort of getting all down and out about behavior is don't eat that food but then they'll have a day for example they eat something they you know off the the good list and so then they they punish themselves and then there's this spiral of well I stuffed up yesterday so what's the point I'll just I've I've already stuffed it up now so there's that shift there's got to be that shift right of like that like you said that looping back around to I've learned yes it was a mistake I I didn't do as well as I could have yesterday but I today's a new day And it's about not being hard on yourself, to be honest, because we're all really hard on ourselves. So it's actually going, okay, what happened? Dig deep, which um, the book gives you a whole lot of exercises about finding yourself. So it's actually digging deep and going, well, what happened for me rather than I shouldn't have done that? Because the reality is I shouldn't have done that. You haven't learned a thing. Correct. If you actually get into the depth of why was that, you're going to find that there was something that went on that day. Now, was it that you're tired? Was it that you're emotional? Was it that, you know, we're in a space of, something in you was wanting to sabotage well okay let's get into that let's find that so it's actually about committing to yourself and changing your mindset as you say to you know let's explore like what happened in that setting Mm -hmm. and the sabotages can come from so many different places like if you talk about nlp it's subconscious there's things that go on every day that trigger us that we don't understand but if we've got some practical exercises to get to the depths of that we can tweak it, which is what I call the Rubik's Cubing. Let's just tweak it. Let's move it. Let's learn about it. But if we're so damn hard on ourselves, the reality is that just creates a brick wall, wall which will then create another subconscious um, sabotage within ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if it's like that forgiveness of, you know what? Yeah, I messed up. We all mess up. Who doesn't mess up? That's the whole point. Oh, of I being. don't. Sorry, yeah. you know that. <laughs> perfect you know and all of us are are always trying to grow and change and that's the beautiful thing about human nature we're constantly evolving and that's one thing you can guarantee on anyone is that Mm. there's something in them always driving them them forward even when they totally mess up if you get the learning it's done if you haven't got the learning unfortunately we tend to keep going round and round and round final part of the figure eight if you can change your relationship with it you can totally sabotage but pop back up and it's about self-forgiveness but I like what you said there actually about that experience triggering us. So there'll be something that happens that we're reactive to during the day, which tends to be like, I've been, I'm a big fan of Michael Singer's work as well. And he talks a lot about that, letting things flow through you so they don't get stored in you and it doesn't become a trigger because we build walls around the behaviors or the shame. And we then subsequently if that shame is triggered, then the behavior is triggered and then we go on back down that path. I'm loving where you're going with this whole, let's just shift away from that and say, it's okay and figure out where the shame or the trauma or the trigger is hiding within you and working from there. Yeah. And it's a process of realizing who you really are and your own standards. Sometimes when we're so, because we've had some trauma, we're so aware of everything around us, Mm. there's going to be Uh, lack of commitment because you're constantly doing something for someone else but when it's actually for yourself then you can actually understand why and learn and and commit commit to yourself 
And I suppose the big question underneath all of that is who is the self? I love what you said. So a simple analogy to try and bring this back down to basics is I talk about in the clinic about it sunflower. Let's say if you woke up in the morning and all you wanted to do was draw or paint or sketch, you know, a sunflower. And you thought, okay, well, I'm going to do that. So you think about the colours, yeah, and you can feel it and, and you're excited about it and you just know that's what you want to do. So you allocate a certain amount of time um, to be able to do that during the day. Um, you think, okay, I probably need an hour, so there's your planning. You think, what paints do I need? So you go and purchase your paints or you, you find your paints and you get your paintbrushes and you get your canvas and you get it all sorted and then that moment of time that you decide you're going to do it, let's say if it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon, so you start your painting. You do your sunflower. Okay, so then you feel into it at the end of it and you say, or you paint your sunflower and you look at it and you say, am I happy with this? Mm-hmm. Now, if you are, great, it's the end of the figure eight, you're done, <laughs> yeah? All the learning's done, you love your, people, your, your, um, your sunflower. Now, let's just say if you looked at it and said, look, yeah, it's a nice sunflower, but it's just like everybody else's. I want my sunflower to look or red or orange. I just want a new, I want my sunflower that relates to me. So the next day with the wisdom that you got from the day before, you can create your beautiful purple sunflower. So you wake up and you see it how you want to see it. So then, of course, you have to tweak your planning, don't you? So you've got to think, okay, what time do I have for today? Um, It might be four o'clock that day, but it might be like, what paints do I need? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what kind of, what different brushes? Do I want a bigger canvas, a smaller canvas? Like how, what tools do I need to make this purple um, sunflower on that particular time? So you get it all organized. And then, of course, let's say four o'clock hits, you paint your sunflower. And then you come back up and you look at it and go, am I happy with this? It's not about anybody else. Who cares what anyone else thinks? It's about what do you think about your own sunflower? Love that. So it's a beautiful metaphor for anything, whether it's your business or whether it's personal training, whether it's your fitness regime, like whatever you're trying to create or being the best partner or being the best parent, whatever. It's about how you feel about yourself. Then, of course, you look at the purple sunflower and you might say, oh, brilliant. I just love it. It's quirky. It's different. It's it's who I am. It reflects like my passion. I'm done. Or you might say, I still think I can do better. And then guess what? It's cultivating a practice almost. Absolutely. So then you wake up the next day and guess what? You're going to tweak it again. It's really important that throughout that figure eight that you commit to yourself because if you're if you're worrying about things externally, the reality is that people are going to love you and people are going to be wanting your time and your space. And what happens then is you don't get to do your own, you don't get to paint your own sunflower. So then there's a dissatisfaction that, that kind of occurs at that point where the figure eight hits your liver energy. And that's when we get really frustrated with ourselves because we go, damn it, all I wanted to do yeah, it was paint my own purple sunflower, but I let everybody else kind of, you know, um, encroach on my time. And now I'm just frustrated because I didn't do that one thing for myself. And I, I like, I'm hearing you because I think there's this, this need to, for me, it's sometimes in a health space, in a healing space, there's this mindset of be of service to others. And, but then if you, you can't pour from an empty cup, so you have to say, well, what is going to inspire me? What is going to bring my, you know, my Shakti energy up or liver energy um, and bring it up and back to some sort of middle ground, right? I love that it's kind of sometimes you've got to say something in a few different ways because different people are going like the flower analogy is amazing because I think if you're a visual person, that would have made a lot more sense. And I love, I think I've heard you use that one before and I was like, oh, I like this one. Go again. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's like I, I keep. I want to say commit, 
it only takes half an hour for you to do that something or it might be commit um to your personal training because that's what makes you happy yes uh, but if, unfortunately if you're so kind of aware of your external environment and then you end up not doing it then you're the one that wakes up wakes up with yourself the next day and you never actually got to do it and then of course there's a ripple effect of that it's only half an hour but you're committing to yourself and your passion and that again that could be your business your new business that you venture that you want to um, put your energy into that's your purpose and your passion well if you can just put half an hour into that every day the reality is that that's going to grow um you're going to get more confident more comfortable with who you are in that so you evolve into that person it becomes your new normal no, hundred percent. I'm loving that. And so I'm wondering, you, you're speaking about being very confident and comfortable in that space. What got you here? How did you get to this? What What happened to you? <laughs> Tell me about you. <laughs> How long have you got? No, um, I think it, there was a pivotal point when I, I think, when my daughter was four, and it would have been a lot easier for me to have just gone okay I'll go back to the corporate uh, world you know do a nine-to-five kind of or probably would have been a seven-to-seven kind of business kind of job I knew that that wasn't going to work for my daughter and I knew my purpose was aligned with what I was doing which is healing and um, intuitive coaching and kinesiology now of course for for people around me and definitely for my own adrenals it would have been easier to do that but it certainly wouldn't have been good for my daughter because uh, she, I wouldn't have been available for her. I knew that that's what I was meant to do. And did I couldn't you know that. How did you know? It was like, it's like a deep stubbornness. <laughs> it's like a, just a deep knowing that this is your path and just get on with it. It was beautiful to see how the universe supported me. And it's actually in my book a little bit about the story. But I just remember thinking, how am I going to bring up my daughter? How am I going to pay the bills as a, as a full-time parent without even a, a weekend off for it was full-time. So there was, there was no one there to back me up. And my daughter at that time had huge anxiety. So there was not like I could, it wasn't a situation where I could just go and leave her with friends or family, you know, if she needed me. I had to adapt around that, which was probably the most beautiful thing that could have happened because it, it forced me to really um, get to this. So it allowed me to be flexible with my hours. And then I found myself going to a mind, body and soul uh, exhibition in Melbourne. I was there thinking, okay, how am I going to make this work? I met a beautiful guy there that was doing a technique called bars. He was exploring vibrational energy and, and we had this great conversation and he said, would you mind giving me a, a 40 muscle uh, touch for health kind of balance? And that was kinesiology. So. I brought out the table and we put an affirmation on and then I rebalanced all his meridians and his chakras. His body was just ready for that kind of change because he'd done the work. The, the change for him was quite phenomenal and his whole body responded in a way that was, for him, he said was he was a surfer and he said that was the biggest wave he's ever had. He was just a beautiful, uh, yeah, at the time, he was probably in his 20s and he was on the journey. He loved what I did and so he went back Home and he just referred all these beautiful people that were um, exploring like him, gorgeous, gorgeous uh, people, and they just came like the busload. <laughs> so I was able to get up and running within weeks. So the door just opened and you you were ready. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I loved it. I mean, I had a huge amount of passion for it. 
And uh, yeah, I, I lived and breathed kinesiology and muscle tests and vibration. Like I lived and breathed it. So um, what is kinesiology? For those that might not know, what is it fundamentally? Kinesiology is just simply a technique to tap into the vibrational body. And they use... What does that mean? <laughs> to the chi of the body. And um, they use something called muscle monitoring. Okay. And muscle monitoring, you can actually put a muscle in a certain position um, and the muscle will lock and unlock depending on the chi that's, that's sort of sitting within that muscle or the memory and the story. So as a result of using it as a, a lever, if you like, you can actually tap into what the body wants to talk to you about. So that can be whether it's emotional blockages, whether that can be, um, you know, uh, food sort of like that gives you energy or depletes you of energy. Uh, it can allow you to, to connect in if you're interested in chakras. It allows you to show what chakra is out of balance definitely with the physicality of the body because you can rebalance if you can imagine it's like a reboot uh, to different muscles so it's great for athletes athletes love it musicians love it uh, because it can realign the body so that they can actually play better so it just makes you feel again back to yourself it realigns yourself it's and important. how is that different from acupuncture kinesiology does use acupressure so it definitely works with meridian flow yeah. Um, so it works definitely with the, the chi that flows and rebalances uh, the meridians. So it's just a different approach. Acupuncture is amazing. Yeah. Um, Chinese medicine, they just simply focus on that, that craft, whereas mm -hmm. kinesiology, will, will, it's a more gentle approach to all the different energy systems in the body. So it can be from the aura to the chakras to the meridians. So where does kinesiology actually come from? Yeah, George Goodhart, he was a chiropractor. I think it was sort of the 60s, 70s, and he found this technique where you can use a, a muscle to test which vertebra is out of line. And so, yeah, he was an amazing um, person and he would basically find which vertebra and then he'd adjust the, the vertebra and then find that the muscle would then lock. So he was the first person to explore this idea. And then John Fee actually took it on another chiropractor and he wanted to turn, he turned it into touch for health and he really wanted the layman person to start experiencing it. That turned into kinesiology. So it came from chiropractic to applied kinesiology to then its own kind of like its standalone kinesiology. Because I've had some treatments with you. I know you, you sort of, I, I don't know, I feel like you take it beyond just the, the treatment. There's this... I don't know how to explain it. It's like an energy movement as well. Maybe, maybe it's the byproduct of the muscle and everything realigning, but I got a sense that it was probably a bit more than that. Yeah, it's just an access point. Kinesiology is a beautiful way to educate um, the body, but also educate you and feel a part of the process. But at the end of the day, it's just, you know, moving it, like you said, moving the energy around and clearing all, all the blocks. So an idea is, let's just say, I love to use this simple analogy that let's just say if you you had a car accident and it was a red car that, that hit you, the reality is that somewhere in your subconscious, every single time you see a red car, you're, you'll be kind of you know hyper aware. Yeah? You might not even notice it, but there'll be a tension in your body somewhere, let's say, about that red car. Now, the reality is, let's just say it's 20 years down the track, that red car is not, not dangerous to you anymore, but there's something in your subconscious that's still firing off about the red car. So it can be quite exhausting and depleting. And by the way, that can be transferred to emotional trauma, you know, all sorts of different things that go on in life. 
So it's just a metaphor. But what we do then is we bring up that red car. Yeah, so the muscle test might say, hey, what happened when you were six? And you might say, you wouldn't believe it, but yes, that's when I had that car accident with the red car. So our job is all the meridians will then change um, in their in their alignment in relation to that red car so that they're hypervigilant towards it. So our job is to actually calm that system down and change how those meridians are behaving around that idea. So that that really is that mind-body connection, even if you're not aware of I think a lot of people cut themselves off at sort of the head, really, don't they? And they don't, they go, this is all I am. I'm just a big floating head and nothing else happens. You know, oh, I've got chronic back pain or, you know, I, I have panic attacks about things and they just assume that and, and Western model says it's all mental, right? It's just a chemical imbalance. But I, I've been on quite a path too, and I don't necessarily think that that's true. I think that sometimes these things are actually our body screaming at us to listen. There's something going on. Something inside of me is disturbed or needs attention. And we just go, oh, well, we'll just take a Panadol. or we'll just, <laughs> And it, we don't go in and look at it and say, hey, there is actually something else here. That's right. There's a story there. Body, from my point of view of doing this for 20 years, yours, your body is just a beautiful instrument of stories. It's just holding all your stories. It's about being sensitive enough and empathic enough to be able to tune into those stories and let the body feel like it's been heard. Mm. Once it feels like it's been heard and understood and, um, and sort of uh, felt safe, taken back to a place of feeling safe, just like all of us, you have a conversation with a friend and you share something and they have empathy for you and you, you feel like they understand you. It's something calming about that. Like energy healing and kinesiology is about just gently listening to the body's story and just letting it kind of release it and let it go. Have you had experience with people that obviously may not be as aware of themselves and these things that have come to you and found it very confronting or very like, whoa, like, I wasn't ready for that to come up yet, you know. Have you had those experiences? Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, nearly every person that gets referred to me, it's because somebody referred them. So, <laughs> you know, my partner told me to come. Yeah. Um, because it's so personal and that's why it's really hard to explain because everybody will have a different experience because everybody has had different stories. It's really hard for for anyone to ex- to explain what happens in a session except to say how they feel. And when they arrived, they might say they came in really anxious. When they left, you know, they felt lighter and clearer and more aligned or taller and all sorts of really beautiful things. I'd like to actually share like an experience that I did have with you at least five years ago. Time just seems to have just gone in all different directions lately. But it was after I'd lost my the chart, my pregnancy and child. And I came to you and I was an absolute shit show. I hadn't hadn't been sleeping and I was just anxious and, you know, the the trauma response of hypervigilance. I remember I came to you for a session and I could literally feel things moving. It was like a little chessboard. I almost felt things moving around inside and like little twitches and little movements. And I was like, oh, didn't mean that. Oh, didn't mean that. And then afterwards there was this sense and I'm not saying it lasted, it, it didn't because there was a grief process that I had to go through. But for the first time in weeks, if not months, I'd felt like almost childlike after the session. I was just, yeah, almost coming back into myself. What it felt like, like you said, a safe, I felt safe in my body for for a little while. And that was almost a great relief 
to have that. And you were living in Mornington at the time and I was living on the other side of the planet. So it wasn't realistic to say I could come and see you, you know, every couple of weeks, which probably would have been preferable. But that reprieve from the intensity of everything and coming back to that safety of almost feeling childlike was unbelievable. That would be the biggest endorsement I could give you. Thank you. That was a beautiful session. Yeah, it was a really tough time for you. And it is, I mean, that classic sort of story of it is an onion, like we just, it just layers, you know, and the body says, I feel safe to give you this piece today. Mm. Um, and that's, that's all we need to do today. And then of course, there's another uh, period of time where for whatever reason, the body says, now I'm ready for this one. And it can go even deeper, um, which can be, you know, you know, even harder at times but you feel safe enough to really um, to find that place. So everybody has their own timeline and you need to be really respectful of that, that your body just said, hey, this is all I can deal with today. I just need a little bit of childlike energy um, for a few weeks just to get me through and then, okay, we need to go again. Yeah, um, yeah the body knows what it, yeah, we just have to trust our own chi and our body and what it wants to do. Uh, but it is like every, every day there's something beautiful that happens. Uh, in this world of healing it's it's just the most you know it makes me emotional so it's so special yeah and it's something that can happen online as well it's so beautiful that when it is an energy exchange it doesn't have to be in the, the physical physicality of being in the same room you can have the same effect just by an intention and, and um, being able to see and feel the energy when you've been doing it as long as I have you realize that energy just flows to anywhere that there is an intention pretty special but you need that left brain proof I think everybody I needed the proof my dad's an engineer I've got that engineer brain you know you need to be able to see it enough or feel it enough or experience it enough or hear about it enough for that left brain to start believing it as opposed to just trusting someone so you did say that you were actually moving your uh, business more online now so, I mean, look, the skeptic in me would say, how's that going to work? How are you going to make me twitch and do things and do your magic? How are you going to do that online? How? The first part, as you know, with our sessions is actually sharing and hearing about what's going on for you. We'll be really sharing about, you know, where you're at and finding again, tuning into what your body is ready to release um, on that particular day. And then uh, it's really simple, would you believe, for me to be able to check in and see what chakra is actually out of balance or whatever. And we'll discuss that. Um, and it's weird because then you can actually feel it once I've sort of made you aware of it. You'll be like, oh, my God, yes, I can feel how that heart chakra is, you know, uh, feels a bit heavy or it feels a bit sluggish or it feels a bit slow. And it's weird. You just can even feel some emotions coming up and some thoughts and feelings coming up and we can discuss that and let it flow. If there's any points that I feel need to, like as in the, you know, the acupressure, then I'll actually ask you to rub certain points or do certain things um, to help clear that energy through. To be honest, from my point of view, it's easier for me to feel and sense the energy from a distance than it is when I'm in physical presence because there's so many distractions. And I love the fact that people have their own time. Like, you know, I'm 100% there. They don't need to worry about what's happening in my space, <laughs> you know. It's 150% about them. So we kind of go into that sharing and then we go into rebalancing and I always draw the energy and I send you a photo of the energy and anything we've talked about, it's a massive mind map of information so that you can look back on everything we discussed and see where the energy blockages are and there'll be things we do 
mindfulness meditations to yoga poses to whatever it is that your body asks for essential oils you know you'll be given a little bit of homework and uh before we reconnect clients are loving it they're excited about it they were saying like it's i'm more accessible because you don't have to try and get here and it's in the comfort of your own home you actually can get regular sessions rather than like you said oh i could only come there like once every three months they can actually come in and book in um some people like to have a booking like once every fortnight all right so i'm just going to test you all right me okay oh, do you think what is it tell me what's going on are we we haven't rehearsed this, this i'm just like literally this is off the cuff go on show everybody what you do go on <laughs> this is me just with my arms out going do it do your trick <laughs> Well, when you channel though, it, it is it is really personal and it's, you know, really deep and it's connected to you. Today, a little piece I would share would be just tuning in uh, for you. It's a bit of heart chakra and throat chakra. But that makes sense because we're doing a podcast, right? So it's about you sharing your truth and having a voice. Yeah. Um, and for you, that this is you living your purpose, what we're doing right now. So I can really feel that energy in you from heart to throat chakra. Um, and really wanting people to change. I can feel the passion in you that you you want to make a difference here. You want people to to find their personal power. So that's what I'm getting from your energy today, because which makes sense when we're when we're doing this. So there's a lot of passion in you. Um, you'd rather be doing this if you like than the mechanical things of trying to run a business. Like this is you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know me. <laughs> showing me like I could do this all day long this gives me energy you know this gives me my purpose but then you do the back office and you're like oh god you know like all like all of us right brainers um <laughs> we, we we lead with our hearts yeah. so I'd also say which is a really interesting thing for people to to connect with is you can maybe when we send a photo out you'll see that your right brain is actually more expansive than your left so you can see why you love doing this sort of thing there's literally more gray matter in the right side of your brain than your left side of your brain um if we even look at a photo you'll see that your right eye is actually a little bit further forward than your left eye so yeah so no really yeah for sure so um, you can see how your natural state is more your your this sort of thing you know it's your passion for people and and helping them and connecting and but if you go just all left brain you're like i'm so bored you know it's not easy for you to do the left brain detailed stuff um you know your right brain is your natural state uh, state but your left brain is it just feels too slow for you because you've got a very fast left brain tempo for you to find your sweet spot between the two, we've got to get these guys working um, a little bit more harmoniously together. For you, you might like to actually acknowledge that this is who I am right now, what I'm doing. And left brain, I'm just rubbish at it. So what I need to do is just hire someone or do it. <laughs> yeah. People who are really good at that stuff so that I can keep my higher tempo. No, you're spot on. Absolutely, yeah. For me, it's easier to go yin yang because I associate that with masculine, feminine, left, right brain. Good, good doing. Uh, <laughs> I definitely love the creativity, and I love sitting in that. I, I'm trying to, like you said, slow down the, that that fast tempo so that I can stay in that kind of more harmonious yin space, which I feel far more comfortable in. 
but also feel like I get pulled into that more busy doing because I like the feeling of achieving stuff. It's that kind of finding the middle ground, which, you know, I suppose that that's everyone in a different way, isn't it? That finding that sort of middle space. Everybody, yeah, the sweet spot is our challenge. So someone like yourself, you might just check in that when you're doing your figure eight, you don't overload yourself with all those little tasks Mm. because then that poor left brain never feels like it ever does enough for you. So for you to be pulling back and boundaries about, right, I'm doing right and then I'm only going to do that much left so that then I actually go to bed going, that was a good day rather than that left brain away is going, oh, damn, I said I was going to do that and I never did. Do you think that women generally, I know there's like a lot of controversy about masculine, feminine, I feel like this or that, but do you think innately women innately want to embody the feminine more so than the masculine? That's something that a lot of women crave, but we, our culture doesn't really honour that, you know, that right brain creativity. It's more a you should be in the, the striving ambition doing of the masculine or the left there a lot of women are actually that's what we're women in general are looking for but they're told that that's not good enough great question i love that so much i think we've gone through a phase of being given permission to be the yang which mm-hmm. is our own careers and you know independence and it's like the pendulum swung right out of control And now I feel like it's coming back in where you're spot on that women are starting to say, hey, you know what? Yes, we can do it, but do we really want to do all of it? And is that good for our hormones? Is that good for our heart? Like, is that good for our kids and and, and for our own bodies and our our own happiness? I don't, I I think a lot of women are now starting to understand that there's, again, the sweet spot is actually doing that a little bit differently to how we have. And that's beautiful. I think we never want to go back to where we were, but I think the pendulum is coming back a little bit. So a great example of of the tweak is, let's say if we're doing finances, I get obviously a a lot of uh, women, you know, going through separations and things and they're like, oh God, finances, you know, I I really, this is all new for me and, you know, it's huge and and scary and all those sort of things. And it's a silly thing to say, but it's really beautiful to actually put a feminine touch to the financial side of things mm. so i talk about you know get that beautiful folder make it really arty mm. you know put mandela's you know in your, you know at the front page of your utilities you know so that it feels more you create pie charts beautiful pretty graphs like make it gorgeous because then your femininity is going to connect more to that rather than fearing it and hating it and being scared of it I think we're we're bringing it back into that. Let's let's allow our femininity to come into our masculinity. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Because I think that's something. Yeah. That I've experienced myself, like running a business and being very in the masculine. You know, working fifty, sixty hours a week. It, it was very depleting for me, and I could do it, and I could actually do it quite well. But it wasn't filling me up in another way. I was always feeling like I was on edge or I was always drained somehow. Whereas it's interesting because I, when I came into motherhood, I was very, I think I was just in a state of resistance because it was like, okay, suddenly I've got to stop, slow down. There is no doing striving. It is you're in a very unselfish season. You've got to put your needs almost just over here 
and focus on the needs of another human being because if you don't, <laughs> well, you know, they, they are 100% dependent on you. And so there was this whole new part of myself that almost woke up that was, wow, this is the divine feminine coming through. This is very primal feelings. It, it, it's shifted my mindset away from like, is it really important? Is it really absolutely, is it that important that I go out and I work and I'm, you know, being a boss woman and all this? Is it? Or is this, you know, where I'm at, like accepting the season of your life and saying, this is where I'm sitting right now. I'm, I'm actually in a very feminine, very, you know, right brain season of my life and should I just be in it and enjoy it and learn from it yeah see when you say that I can feel your energy expanding right out to where I am right now and there's a beautiful sweet spot happening between the two sides saying yes that's where I'm at and I think then when you get to that point you can surrender and just let your friends help you Mm. or let your beautiful partner do what they want to do for you if they want to chop the wood hey Hey, go do it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for chopping the wood. You know, you look great while you're doing it. (laughs) You know, you look so, you know, rather than that whole, I'll do it. I can do it. Yes. Yes. Handing over control. That's actually a really, exactly that saying, hang on a second in a state. I mean, I'm in a marriage and whatnot, but it's being able to almost say, I can surrender that control to you to give you the masculine. You can hold me in the masculine or the the left brain. Like that's what you do well. You, you like being there. Not so much. It's almost, it's hard to sometimes actually surrender that and say, I can actually release that to you or ask other people for help if needed, because I think that's something that in general, we're not taught is okay to do. We're not actually told it's cool. You can you can reach into that and say, help me, please, instead of just saying, I'm going to just do this myself because that's what I've been told and that's it just drains you. Yeah, absolutely. That's that pendulum that's just gone a little bit too far. Yeah. You know, we're so excited that we got the freedom, the independence, to be able to do it all. But then there's this moment of why? Yes. <laughs> and it's really beautiful for people to be able to do things for each other. Yeah. Um, person who's doing it for you and and again I guess maybe family and partners it it teaches them not teaches them it allows them you know to do something really special for you and to feel good about themselves with you that you're saying thank you yeah yeah and it's it's actually you know it's just that shifting in dynamics isn't it within yourself and being able to see that you know what we're going right back to the start that that foundation of self and what do I want now? Because what I wanted five years ago isn't what I want now. And so, like you said, it's not some big drastic dramatic change all the time. Sometimes it can just be little shifts inside that say, I'm actually all right. Just, you know, being a mum today, I'm actually all right about it. Instead of saying, I have to go off and build a business and rebuild an empire. It doesn't have to be that. No, no, let it work for you. Yeah. Work for where you're at in that moment in time. Yeah. And I think that that sort of, does that kind of embody the the whole essence of the book and everything that you teach? 100%. But it is, change. I love the conversation we've had and what you just mentioned. And, and it's interesting that when you surrender to that, hey, this is who I am now, mm. again, people will respond around you. Yeah, yeah. When you're in that warrior mode that we were sort of brought up to be, um, no one can get access to you because you're so busy being the warrior that they didn't even know that you needed help or that you, yeah. yeah 
that you wanted a little bit of um, support in something. Yeah. So it is about, I, to be honest, it is about slowing that, that tempo down in that left brain to go, you know what, maybe I just need to be smarter about this. Mm. Just work harder all the time. And just, yeah, I think like what you just reflected back then was actually like acknowledging that you are different, that you're not, you're as a human being, there is this ebb and flow. So where you, what you want now and what you needed then five, 10 years ago, isn't the same as now. So there's this almost this acceptance of like shedding, like you said, the onion, taking that layer off a little bit and saying, okay, that's not where I'm at anymore or not what I need and being here with what you need now. And sometimes you don't know. I mean, I spent the first part of the this year going, who am I? What, what, like, what, who am I now? Like I closed my business during COVID. <laughs> I've got an, a baby, you know, and, and like my husband's working and he's stressed out and who am I, where am I? And it, it took some time, like you said, to create that space and sit and go, who, who am I? What do I want? Where am I? And it, it like you said, it takes quite, you've got to, you've got to ha- make it intentional because it's not, it, it, I see it as a practice that you cultivate. And I always bring it back to fitness because if you say, oh, I want to run, for example, but you only go out once a week <laughs> and you only go around the block, well, that's that's great, but you're not going to cultivate strength or practice in building that muscle. Yeah, yeah that's. I mean, that figure eight is fantastic for something like that. And sometimes what you mentioned there is actually um, shrinking your figure eight. You know, you might have a big heart and a big energy and a big purpose but there are certain times in your life, maybe when you have got your kids and they're little, is to 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 sort of pull that figure eight in. I mean, there's trillions of figure eights throughout our body, but pull it into a smaller one. But it's like, no, 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 I'm just I'm just doing family right now. Yeah, yeah, and I still want to have a business, but I just want to uh, make it work for me, knowing yeah. that they get to you know they've got their license and they're independent. You can expand again. So you sort of need to just trust your own timeline a little bit. Um, rather than put pressure on yourself to be that big figure eight when really it's not working, um, you know, for your family. Your family has to come first, I think. Um, And, you know, I always knew writing the book was perfect while my little one was getting through school and I always knew that I wasn't going to launch it until she was sort of independent and that's exactly what I did. So now it's beautiful that that she's independent. It's just, you know, two independent people in the world. Um, we can go do our thing, but we'll always, homing pigeons will always come back to our nest. Um, so there's a bit more freedom. So it's getting, yeah, it's not putting pressure on yourself at the wrong phases um, because you're just, you're just going to go crazy, <laughs> you know, um, if you're putting that kind of, if part of you wants to be the mum and then part of you wants to be out there in the big world, it's like sometimes you have to kind of work out which one you need to choose first Yeah. after a period of time. And that, that in itself can be really hard to do for a lot of people because it's like that something has to be sacrificed just a little bit in order to make room for something else. And that that's my opinion. But, you you know, you can't, like you said, you can't just keep opening it up and saying, I'm going to fit it all in. You, sometimes you do have to bring it back down into that really base feminine and say, this is just where it has to be. I'm going to hold it here and there is a little bit of sacrifice in that, but it's nothing's ever lost, right? Like you said, energy just changes. So the energy might shrink and then it expands and it shrinks and expands. Is that right? It, and also, I love that so much. And, and it's also when you've got that um, 
like you said, that it, it sort of expands and shrinks. When you're shrinking, that's when you learn. Mm. That's, that's when you're really digging deep about who you are and studying and, you know, perfecting your craft and whatever it is so that when you do expand, um, you're really comfortable with who you are and what you do. Yeah. So it's a real opportunity um, when you're doing that shrinking to just get really good at who you are and you know, what, you can, what you can achieve. Yeah. Um, but if you're constantly expanding, expanding without actually doing that groundwork, uh, you can just kind of overcook it and you're out there, but, you know, your root system isn't nice and strong <laughs> and there's no real trunk. It's just lots of branches and that can be really overwhelming and, big, you know, a big storm comes in and, you you know, your tree's sort of falling over. So it is about, you know, use those times to, to pull in and really do the work on yourself and then, yeah, come out, you know, stronger than ever. So, yeah, it's, yeah it is listening and accepting to... Um, letting go of that critic in you um, that constantly tells you you should be doing something else to, no, 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 I'm, I'm exactly where I need to be for now. Yeah, I love that. And I, something that I've added just to that is I found that there has to be a level of awareness of your thinking. And so you have to catch yourself when you are falling into those little traps of, you know, self-hatred or I should the shoulds, I should be doing that or, I'm not doing good enough and I've got to do this there. I've almost, you can catch yourself in those thoughts, I think. And you can almost go, hang on a second. Who who is being upset about that? Why am I upset? And instead of sometimes having to really go into it and unpack it, because you sometimes you don't need to, sometimes it's just like, that's okay. I'm sorry. I forgive you. And you don't know which one it is. Sorry, forgive you, love you, whatever. But I find that that sometimes helps because it's like, oh, okay, I'm actually just looking after myself for a second there because something's in me has gone and exploded up. Yeah, I love that. And that's, again, getting better at that left brain. Yeah. Just, I'm just learning. Yeah. <laughs> no one, no one knows, like no one fully understands anything. Like we're just all evolving. We think we understand then something else comes in. <laughs> and then we think we've, we've absolutely, you know, nailed that concept and then another one comes in. Like it never stops. So... Um, you know, you're allowed to have your bad days. Yeah. We've all had our bad days. And part of the learning is to have a bad day and just go, I don't want that bad day again. <laughs> um, and, and listening to what you're good at, I think the key is, you know, with that left brain, we've all got limitations, whether it's right brain or left brain, we've all got limitations. Yeah. And really, I know I've made mistakes in the past where I've hired the wrong team or I've hired the right team has been amazing. But when I've had the wrong team, you know, that's really hurt. It's taken things longer or, um, you know, put, put myself under a huge amount of stress because I know that's not my thing and then I thought I hired the right person that could fill that gap for me. So it's about um, loving yourself enough to, to have the best team that you could ever find where they totally see your vision and they totally see the gap in you and are kind about it and are supportive around it mm. rather than, oh, well, you know, I really like this company and then they referred me to someone else within that company, but you didn't actually know who they were referring to. And then next, you know, you've got somebody who doesn't actually understand your vision or, you know, how you need help. Um, so it's be, be um, yeah, be passionate, be fastidious about who you've got in your inner circle. Mm. Who's your support team. From I'm talking like accountants to bookkeepers, you know what I mean, to, to digital marketing, like these people can make or break you. 
yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like sometimes we can be a little bit I don't know what is it a little bit like trusting like oh well you know yeah that person yeah that'll do it's like no it won't do because then it'll cost you a lot more money and time and pain yeah uh, if you haven't chosen the right person yeah so be willing to what I've certainly learned in the last um you know 12 months be willing to pull out yeah that's actually oh, the ego isn't it of really saying is it my ego that's hanging on or is it I do what is my intuition really saying or people pleasing I don't want to hurt them I don't want to upset anyone or even apathy it's just easier you know they already know my business or we've all gone through it it's more time it's more money it's more effort to make a shift yeah. but it's just you've got to get your team it's a talent quest all the time if you've got a gap in your learning or your what your talents are um, find the best team you can find yeah. or it can be it can really cost you a lot of a lot of whether it's emotional financial <laughs> you know um time in terms of time lags really key that you find your your team that champion you awesome yeah you're right and uh, that goes back to that you're most like the five people you spend the most time with like they're the people that you're going to have be the most influenced by if you think about it it's probably true so who you surround yourself with even on the peripheral is going to be important because they're still going to have influence I think what you said is perfect. Be discerning about who's in your circle. Well, look at Richard Branson. He's in my book as a case study. He's got, as he's talked about in all through his uh, programs and workshops, he's got dyslexia. He says it's his superhuman talent. It's allowed him to be who he is, one of the most successful, richest men in the world. And I feel he's a very kind man. But because of his dyslexic patterns, he was forced to to hire people to do the things he couldn't do. So he's an amazing people person. He's an amazing visionary. He's highly creative, but he can't actually understand what figures look like. He can't read a profit and loss. Oh, that would be quite daunting, wouldn't it? No, but also really helpful. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, then he just, like, he'd just be told and off you go. You didn't have to worry because you don't understand it, Then, but you do have to get the right team because that team would make or break him. Yes, that's true. That's yeah. Right. Example, yeah. So he's really good at choosing his team. Yeah, and that's probably why he's built so many offshoots of Virgin and made it all so successful because he's probably, the, the strength would be probably more of his intuitive power, wouldn't it? Like he's probably developed that right brain, being able to read people and patterns more quickly because if he doesn't, it's like, you know, the animal kingdom, he'll get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> Survival. <laughs> But he was, um, his parents were very supportive. Um, one was a barrister, one was a uh, creative ballet dancer. So he had those two two sides, which might have, who knows, potentially could have clashed in his DNA. Yeah. But <laughs> that created his story um, where he was just so good at finding the right people to support him. So that's, yeah, so that's the figure eight. It's about, yeah, find your own vision, but find your gaps, be open about it, be honest about it and get the right team. If something's not working, change it. Like you said, that's sometimes the hardest thing to do is say, well, this isn't working the way I want it to. What yeah. can I do to make the change? Yes. Yeah. And that's across the board of life. You know, even your children are being naughty all the time. Well, this isn't working. What do, what do we do to change? You know, like it can be applied to any area of your life, really, can't it? 100%. And yeah. because they've all got their own talents. So whoever you're hiring has their own neurodiversity. Yeah. <laughs> you want the person that fills the gaps 
what your neurodiversity is. So it's being really careful with that kind of story. And more that you understand your own neurodiversity and understand other people's, you can find that. People are talking about this in the corporate world. The legal profession are really on top of it. And more and more now, like it's exciting to be able to explore who you are, how you think, and, and also explore how other people and, and what kind of talents do you want on your team. 100%. So where can people find you, Annette? Like if they want to have a chat with you, if they want to explore this more, where do, where do we come looking? So just simply annetteabbott.com. I'll put the link in the description as well so people can go on over to your website as well. Yeah, website and then there's um, then we, you can book in um, through that website and uh, it's that simple actually. Yeah, um, amazing. Obviously one-on-ones by Zoom and uh, we'll be setting up some meditation nights by Zoom but also I'll be running some workshops and uh, things like that will be more face-to-face down the track. So all that's getting up and running as we speak. Yeah, but I think I need some personal training from you, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I need some personal training from me. (laughs) But you're welcome anytime, anytime. Yeah, it's been great chatting. We could could go on forever. Yes, that's why I was like, oh, it's been just over an hour and I thought that's probably the right time to wrap it up. But I'm sure that I will be seeing you again on this podcast because the hours just flown I just went oh it's been an hour okay (laughs) and there's so much more I feel like there's so much depth that you can bring to the conversations just and see where it goes thank you I've loved it I love chatting with you and yeah we like I said we've known each other for 10 years and just some wonderful workshops and things like that together so um watch this space hey yes please do and yeah guys Go check out Nanette and what she does and she's amazing, just amazing. I've, as I said, loved loved every experience that I've had with you. So thank you. Oh, great endorsement. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm.